You're listening to Period Story, the podcast where we get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods. We chat with women about their period story, their first period, and their journey ever since, and we open up a conversation to help break taboos and stigmas around menstruation. I'm your host, Lanise Brothers. I'm a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat, Love, Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. Welcome to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Tamu Thomas, who is the founder of 360, a brand she created for women in their late 30s and 40s that want to simplify life and create space for everyday joy. Tamu created the brand as a response to her own emotional and physical situation. At age 40, and after years of compromising her health, joy, and pleasure to meet the demands of her career as a social worker and her role as a mother, she realized that feeling emotionally and physically depleted was not a necessity or a given. Welcome to the show, Tamu. Good morning or good afternoon, whatever time anybody's listening. Hey, Denise, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. So let's start off by getting into the story of your very first period. Can you share with us what happened? My first period was about a month before I turned 13 and I was really, really excited. I couldn't wait. I was one of the quote unquote later bloomers in comparison to my friends Um, so I was really excited to have joined the club Um, and when I was thinking about coming on this podcast my period probably started the month prior but I wasn't too sure Um, so uh, well this is a period podcast so we're just going to talk about it so my discharge (laughs) was different um, and I wasn't really sure what it was Um, So I just carried on as normal and did what I was doing. Um, I'd had like tender breasts. Well, the semblance of breasts I had at that time. (laughs) Um, I'd had mood swings um, and I'd had um, some form of cramping, but I wasn't entirely sure what it was. I suspected it was my period coming because my mum has always been very open about conversations about the practicality of periods. So yeah, mine came just before I turned 13 and I was really excited about it. And I told my mum, but I was really aggrieved that she told what felt to me at the time, everybody um, about it. So like my dad was never emotionally communicative and he he was not the dad that walked in from work or I walked in from school and was asking me how my day was. All of a sudden, he kept asking me if I was okay. How am I? Do I need anything? To have my very stern West Africa de- West African dad trying to be soft, but being so brisk with it. Do you need anything? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you okay? Um, that that was really like oh. And then it just so happened one of my aunts from overseas came over, and she was like, "Oh, Tammy, you joined the club." And my aunt that lived down the road came round. There was just all this hoopla about me joining the club that I really did not want. Um, And my mum bought me this kit. It it was um, a bright fuchsia pink and it had tampons and sanitary towels and it had... um, 
that it was a fuchsia pink tampon holder. Um, and I remember not really being given much information about how to use these things, but being told that this was what I needed and um, using a tampon for the first time, hymen fully intact, never, never even masturbated at that point, like not digitally inserting a finger or anything and using this tampon and having it halfway out and walking like John Wayne. And my mum said, <laughs> what on earth is going on? Me saying, well, I use the tampon and then her saying, oh, you don't, don't use that. Um, use the sanitary towel. You're not, your body's not ready for that. And overhearing a conversation with my mum and dad in the kitchen where my dad was very much against me using tampons. He was really into this old West African a virginal kind of, I don't know, Virgin Mary kind of train of thought. So yeah, so it was, it was something I was excited about and I, I was excited about it for me. And then I felt that that kind of got taken away by being shared um, at that time. But as an adult now, I think, well, I can understand it's a big coming of age thing. It's a really big marker in human development, in, in female development. And my mum was celebrating that um, I just kind of thought a period was just for me um, and no one else to know about. And I carried that with me for a very long time. What you said about the excitement and the hoopla around mm-hmm. you getting your first period and their family getting involved is so interesting because it's very different to a lot of the stories that I've heard where it's something that um, these women were ashamed about. They kind of had a really cursory chat with their mom, but yours was totally different. It was celebrated. Ooh. Your mom gave you a kit with tampons and pads, <laughs> and she, she had a conversation with you about what was the best uh, menstrual product for you to use mm-hmm. at the time for where your body was, mm-hmm. which is, I think is so, so wonderful. Mm. And those fit, so that openness about your period and about menstruation, did you carry that through the rest, the rest of your teenage years? No, not really. And it wasn't because of, um, so my mom's always been very open. So for example, my grandmother became pregnant because she didn't know what a period was when she had her first period she was told by her elders, that means that if a man touches your breasts, you'll become pregnant. So she became pregnant because of a lack of knowledge. My granddad was very green. My grandma was very green. So um, she, yeah, so that was her experience. So my grandmother was very open with my mum and her siblings. So my mum carried that through. But there seemed to be, my dad was very much, um, women's things are women's things. They're women's business. You lot carry on with it. You do your womanly thing. So even things like um, my dad, you couldn't put underwear in a washing load with his washing. There was no way. Those two things should not mix at all. So although he didn't say hide your period or, you know, your period products or anything, I knew that that wasn't something that could be open. Um, And then at school, um, it was very secretive. So I kind of just um, didn't question. I just thought it was very secretive. So although I was, for me, when I first started, excited about it, as soon as it became um, in the public domain kind of thing, um, I very quickly learned that it should be very secret. So it was 
going to the toilet um, with your sanitary towel somewhere very covert, um, making sure the toilet, the, the uh, door to the main, like the main door to the toilets was closed because the sanitary towel incinerator thing that we had in school was right by the door. And you didn't really want other girls, never mind boys, to see you putting your sanitary towel in the incinerator. So it very quickly became something that was a secret and you kind of operated in a way whereby your goal was to make sure that your period happened without anybody knowing about it. So that's that's what happened with that. But I understood the mechanics of it. I can't remember, I can't remember a time where I wasn't having some kind of conversation with my mum about how your body works on a practical sense. What I didn't get from her was the emotional sense, the emotional side and the understanding about hormones. So she would say things like you might, you'll get moody, but there was no breakdown and no explanation. And as I reflect on that period of time, <laughs> as I reflect on that period of time, there weren't wide conversations taking place about hormones and periods. I think that's quite a new thing. So I didn't really believe in the impact of um, hormonal changes. So I was very hard on myself when I wasn't able to do things at certain times of the month. And that's something that I carried with me for a very long time. And also um, uh, when I was, like for the first, definitely during my school years, my period was really heavy and was very long. Um, so there was a lot of work that went into making sure that my period was private. And that sometimes meant leaking because I got so into this private mode, I wasn't always letting my mum know when I needed new products. And she was new to this as well. I'm the oldest. She hadn't experienced raising a child that was having periods. So um, there wasn't like a cupboard with a stash of sanitary wear in. Um, so yeah, it took a while for us to get into a rhythm with that kind of part of things, even though I had my lovely pink kit. <laughs> so I just want to go back to what you were saying about secrecy and things being private and actually go into what you're saying about the secrecy at school. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you didn't discuss it at all with any of your friends. I discussed it at times with one friend who coincidentally I spent the evening with yesterday. We're still really close. Um, so I discussed it on and off with her but the only times um period conversations came up was like for example girls not wanting to do PE or swimming because they were on their period um or um yeah that, that was pretty much it it was it was any conversation was around what you couldn't do because of your period it wasn't anything more than that that I can recall like I really tried to recall and there was no sisterhood in that re regard at all because we were all keeping it secret it was you know even things like if I think about at home there was a sense that men shouldn't know about this this is for women it's only for women so period products regardless whether it was morning noon or night had to get be disposed of in the bin outside it wasn't to be in a bin within the home and things like that um, yeah, so there was no real, mm -mm, 
And do you think there, you've mentioned the West African cultural element of, you know, having underwear being separated mm-hmm. and um, your, what your father said about it's women things. How much of that cultural element do you think you've carried into the way that you think about your period and your hormones and your menstrual cycle? Um, well, I haven't really, as a, as a child, um, you know, or adolescent having periods, that's, you know, you just did what your parents said and did and, and that was it. Um, as I started to make my own way in the world, um, to be honest with you, it's only in the last few years that I haven't been secretive about periods and period products so if my bag is wide open and there's a tampon there whoever sees it sees it like I'm I'm really not bothered whereas before the tampon would be in a non-discreet looking bag somewhere tucked within my bag and all that kind of stuff um so I, I I haven't really kept but then I haven't carried it with me because I'm my my adult experience is very different to my child experience. So um, I talk a lot within my brand about um, my childhood being analog and my adulthood being digital because I do have that sisterhood within digital spaces that have become sisterhood within real life spaces. And because I, because of people like you and Sally Beaton, me tracking my periods, learning about the different hormonal phases and in tracking my periods, seeing how my hormones impact all of my life, all of my world, that doesn't exist for me anymore. And I know definitely due to friendships that I had actually from my late teens, uh, one of my friends, she's always been very open about conversations with periods. She was brought up in a house full of women Um, so there were lots of conversations about periods. There was lots of, you know, nakedness and whatever else. So she used to talk about periods quite openly, which led me to be able to talk about periods openly, but without the wisdom we have now about the hormones and what periods means and about it being a vital sign of health. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered, but yeah, that does. And so just playing on what you talking more about what something you said about your childhood being analog and your adulthood being digital mm-hmm. with that kind of framework in mind, what do you know now that you wish you knew back then? What I wish I knew back then is that it didn't need to be a secret, that it could have continued to be a celebration of my womanhood, of my humanity, and that it was a sign that my body is working as nature intends. And um, I also wish I knew that it meant that I could look to my cycle for clues, not excuses, but clues as to how to manage my health in a more holistic and supportive way. Because I didn't have that knowledge, it really fed into the narrative of the time, which was about working against yourself, pushing through, keeping, keep on going, regardless of what your body is telling you. Um, I wouldn't have worked in that way. And I think that perhaps I would have had more of an opportunity to do what I'm doing now, which is to be guided by my own North star rather than following the whims and the, um, 
systems of other people. Do you feel differently about your period now, having incorporated this, you know, the idea of it being a vital sign, the North Star, listening mm-hmm. to, to your cycle and your hormones for clues? Tracking my cycle and understanding the natural ebb and flow of my hormones has been absolutely game-changing. It's been one of the most fundamental parts in me being able to connect with myself with real depth and meaning. And it's really helped me to understand myself as a natural being. I think that we walk around quite often feeling like our mind is in one place and our body is somewhere else. Whereas in my personal development journey, in my, you know, training and whatnot to become a life coach, um, thinking about women, learning about how my cycle impacts me has helped me to really be kind to myself and remind myself to meet myself where I am. So, you know, we're all human beings. We're all quite similar yet very different but that whole thing about being very cognitive and living in my head tracking my cycle helps me to connect my mind and my body um so rather than focusing on what my head tells me i should be doing tracking my cycle and having using apps to remind me of where i am in my cycle helps me to connect mind and body so that i'm actually working with myself so thinking about nature If you look in a garden, there's a variety of flora and fauna and they bloom and blossom in different ways, but using similar principles. And that's how I think about myself. Okay, today I'm a daisy, so I need more tenderness. I need more gentleness. I need to go at a slower pace if I can. And if that's not possible, I know what I need to put in place to support me um, being a daisy amongst oak trees. And then I have other times when I am an oak tree and I can, I know how to support myself during that time. Um, Also, it's helped me to um, curb parental irritability because the realness is sometimes your children are really irritating, but not because they're being irritating. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but because of where you are in your cycle or whatever you've got going on, an average thing that would be a nice conversation on some days can be a major source of irritation. So it just helps me to check in with myself and um, give myself some context so that not like I'm censoring myself all the time, but I've got that information. So rather than being in a situation where I'm snapping at my daughter for something that she should be doing, as the snap starts to come, I remember where I am in my cycle, whatever else I have going on, and do whatever it is I need to do so that I can show up for her in a way that isn't full of grit and irritation. Um, so yeah, and it's really helped me, you know, we, we have all of these goals and these dreams. I want to be doing this. I should be doing that next year. I want to be able to do whatever. Okay. You want to do all of these things and these things require consistency. I know day 24 to day 28 consistency goes out the window. So I give myself the grace of doing whatever I can during those days, but also knowing that like day uh, eight to 12, I'm dynamite 
I am literal, even, maybe it's even eight to 14 because it kind of, the dynamite kind of um, evens off when I start to get my ovulation pain. Um, but I can do a month's worth of work during that period of time because I'm just on fire. So it's just learned me to recognize my natural ebb and flow and not use my time when I'm at my peak as my baseline. I know that that's a peak. It's not my general. Whereas before I would be like, why aren't I churning out the work? Why aren't I being as productive as I was last week? That should be my standard. No, that's not my standard. That was my standard for that phase. My standard is different this week. So yeah, it's been a major source of me being um, not just compassionate, but empathetic with myself. It's amazing how how in tune you 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 ha- you become with your your cycle, how how it affects your moods, your energy levels, and also your your mental capacity, and mm-hmm. how you have tailored your work to when you can to mm-hmm. those phases of your cycle. And this idea of compassion, I think, is really powerful because. So many times I hear women, they, you know, they beat themselves up because they say, well, why am I not focused? You know, why can't I get the work done? And, you know, why was I able to do so much work last week? But this Mm -hmm. week I'm so tired Mm -hmm. and they just push through to their own detriment Mm -hmm. because, but also you can't, you kind of, you don't blame them because we've been given these messages by society that Mm -hmm. we need to live in masculine energy, Mm -hmm. which is go, go, go all the time. Mm -hmm. But everything that you've been saying is around honoring this idea of feminine energy and knowing that the ebbs and flows of the menstrual cycle have a big connection with, our energy, and when mm-hmm. we honor that, um, we we it it is actually so much better for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it just enables you to acknowledge that you're human. You're not a machine, because I think we tend to treat ourselves like we're an iPhone that can be upgraded and rebooted and whatever else. And actually, um, I'm at my most powerful when I'm really honoring myself, like, don't get me wrong. I do think that we, uh, we need, there's masculine and feminine for a reason. So masculine structures, um, like using my diary, which is quite like, that's kind of structure is quite a masculine way of thinking, but using that structure to support my femininity is really helpful. So when I'm paying attention and I'm being mindful, where possible, I structure my workload accordingly. And I know that it's easy. I know that people can sit down and think, well, it's easy for you, you work for yourself. But if you look at your workload, as long as you're doing your work within timescales, you can make, where possible, make allowances for yourself. So if you, if there's a presentation that you need to do, is it possible that you can schedule that presentation during week two of your cycle, for example? Um, and if it's not possible for you to do that, what can you drop from your schedule that will allow you to have the space that you need to recharge and restore if you're needing to do that presentation during the run up to your cycle? Um, yeah, what can you do to make sure that you're feeling 
vital that you're feeling alive rather than dragging yourself around. Even um, there's a there's a lot of uh, mothers that I speak to that are constantly scheduling things upon things upon things upon things for their children. Actually, ask yourself, who is that serving? Is that really serving your child? Or is that serving your need to say, I'm doing all of these wonderful things for my child. I'm really enriching my child's life. Because actually, we are um, depriving our children when we want to make sure their schedules are full all the time. Them being bored and just playing around and being soft and crashing around on sofas is really beautiful and really essential development for them. So do you need to be running yourself ragged, jumping from pillar to post, doing all these things? Are all, are all there times in your month where you can slow down and do things at a slower pace um, with your children? Could you occupy them with more slow and mindful activities that supports you as well? Because motherhood and martyrdom are not um, adjacent from each other, contrary to popular um, belief. And um, yeah, I just think really tuning into what your body's telling you just creates such freedom. And something else that I noticed is that I have been less bothered about what other people think, feel, and say in relation to what I'm doing since I understand how my cycle works. So for example, if, you know, friends and family want to see you, blah, 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 and they'll say things like, you know, you just got to make an effort. No, I don't. <laughs> if I'm at a point in my cycle where I'm feeling depleted, I am not going to take myself closer to burnout to meet your need and neglect myself like that that is actual neglect that is actual emotional abuse and I know there are really strong words I'm using them with intention as a social worker my area of interest was neglect and emotional abuse and when you distill it it's the same thing but applied in different ways I'm not neglecting or emotionally abusing myself so that you can feel good that I was eating I don't know curry goat and rice and peas at your party i can see you another time you know you've said so so many interesting things um there i wanted to circle back to what you said about the way that you speak with your daughter mm -hmm. and how you're you're more aware of things that might be irritating um at certain times of your cycle mm -hmm. and things that you kind of would just be normal in all of the things that you've learned about and applied to yourself, how, how has that changed the way that you speak to your daughter about periods and about menstrual cycle, if you've had that conversation yet? We've been having that conversation. <laughs> so from um, the moment I became pregnant, so as, as I said, my mum's an open book. You can talk about everything, but the emotional element, like the feelings part of those conversations, um, are not something that she was brought up with and not something that she's used to. Like she's quite a stoic person. And um, I really enjoy conversations about the depth of our emotions. 
I'm not skating around on the surface. I want to get below the surface and see what underpins those feelings. Where do those feelings come from? So from the moment I became pregnant, I was having deep and meaningful conversations with my unborn child from that point on. So whatever conversation she comes with, we're having that conversation. And sometimes we're having a conversation that starts with something that can seem quite light and fluffy, but I really try to get her to look beneath that so that she understands how she's operating rather than being on autopilot. So I've had conversations about periods with my daughter since, um, oh, there was one day she was three, we were on the bus um, and we, we don't often go on the bus. And, you know, three-year-olds, their voices, voices are loud. <laughs> yeah. So she was saying something, something, something about those nappy things. She was talking about sanitary <laughs> towels. So I didn't have the conversation with her on the bus. It was almost like the bus went dead silent as she said those nappy things. Um, so we had a conversation about um, what the nappy things are. Um, and it was just in a very um, childlike way. I didn't talk about, you know, blood or anything like that. I just said that when you're a grown up, sometimes you need to wear these um, nappy things. And that was it. She just left it at that. But um, I'm very open. You know, she sees me naked all the time. Um, I'm all around the house. I'm not hiding sanitary products. So I, I can't even remember really the first time we had a proper conversation about periods. But when she was in year five or six and they had a conversation about puberty she was like oh mum it was so lame it was so basic I knew more than the teacher obviously she didn't know more <laughs> than the teacher. she knew more than what the teacher was presenting so it's always been a very open book I, I as soon as I understood the power of hormones and hormone phases and how it impacts you that was inserted into conversations so you know I've got a child that isn't fearing periods She's forever talking to me about what her body's doing, what her body isn't doing. We talk about the sort of food that supports your cycle, that supports you as a human being, full stop. Um, so like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation because sometimes I'm like, I, I don't want to know. Um, but I do want to know. And I just take a moment to say that I... Um, I'm appreciative of myself that I have a relationship with my daughter where she's able to talk about anything, sex, drugs, rock and roll, meditation, who she's fallen out with at school, what science grade she wants to get. Um, and all of it is as normal as each other. So even things like um, she's, she, she has noted that there are times of the month that she's more moody, that she's uh, more tired. She's noticed how her body is doing different things that are at, the different, at different times of the month. So I've, I've said to her to keep a diary and she knows that it means that very soon um, she's going to start menstruating. And the way she talks about it, she's, she's looking forward to it because she knows it's, you know, a rite of passage. It's something that should be happening. So it's a, um, it's a joyful experience, um, <laughs> even though it is challenging because in my mind, no, not even in my mind, in my heart, she's still four years old. Um, but in reality, she's about to be 13. 
And do you think you you will celebrate it in the same way that your period was cel- your first period was celebrated? We are going to have a full on celebration, not in the way that um, I'm telling everybody. I will be telling everybody, but not in the way <laughs> that um, like I want to. I want to take her for a meal. I want her. Um, kit like the kit my mum gave me I want the kit to be to include things that support her emotions so a journal um a period tracking app because she knows about all the apps she sees them well not all but she knows about the apps I use but she can't use them yet because she doesn't have a period to actually start to track but she's had a look at them for some of the information so I want I want the celebration to be like um a gateway to a really empowering grounding um experience so that she understands not just the mechanics but also the more kind of like spiritual element i want it for her to feel like a ritual rather than a curse we're not going to be talking about aunt flo the painters or decorators are in and all of that kind of stuff but we're yeah celebrating that most natural signifier that as somebody that was born female and is aligned with the gender or the genitalia they were born with, um, yeah, you can can celebrate that every month. It doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I've got my period. I think that's really beautiful. So if there is one thing you could leave our listeners with about their periods or menstrual cycle, or their hormones, what would, what would you share? That um, our periods are a really useful way for us to remember that we are human beings. We are mammals at the end of the day. Just because we can walk and build houses and drive cars and use social media, it doesn't mean that we are not a part of the natural world. And this is a reminder. Nature has all the guidance we need And our period is a way of reminding us of that. Even the absence of periods, whether that is because you've got an issue going on or you um, are, um, you know, you've reached menopause, still um, our, our periods, our hormone cycles, our hormone fluxes are a real reminder for us to connect the knowledge of our minds with the wisdom of our hearts and bodies and plug into nature. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show, Tamu. Where can listeners find out more about you? You can find out more about me um, in a really solid way. You can find out more about me on my website, which is all the W's, live360.com. So that's L-I-V-E-T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y.com. As you can tell, I like talking, so therefore numbers wouldn't do. Um, And my social media is at live360. Um, Again, that is all um, alpha. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for doing this work. We really, really need to be having these conversations, especially as you mentioned in the beginning that some of the women you talked to, it wasn't their journey into um, menstruation wasn't a celebration. And I think we need to reframe 
Absolutely. Hopefully, this is the starting point of changing the way we talk and think about periods and menstruation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, and one last thing. Sorry, I have to have to say that you were definitely one of the absolute keys in helping me to understand that periods are a gift, really. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you to today's guest and to you for taking the time out of your day to listen to Period Story. Music is Modern Jazz Samba by Kevin MacLeod. You can find show notes and links to things mentioned on this episode on www.periodstorypod.com. If you love this episode, then it would mean so much if you could head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Thank you, and see you next week.